I'm very glad you were able to sign up for this very scholarly session on stories. <laughs> I know I always enjoyed the stories, especially in kindergarten. I was so anxious to get into school that I went to uh, three different kindergartens. Uh, I'm not quite sure why my parents moved me <clears throat> to each different one. It's possibly possible that the director of the school had something to do with it. <laughs> In any case, I'd like to share uh, stories um, of God's goodness to us uh, over 48 years um, overseas, and it's for the purpose of helping us to trust for you and for me to trust God in every circumstance. <clears throat> as, I, as I grew up in China, because my father was a missionary surgeon with the China in the Mission, Hudson Taylor's Mission, uh, I thought only of China. When I was in high school in Shanghai, God called me at the age of 14 uh, to be a medical missionary, just like my father. And, of course, the story of David Livingston was especially, uh, was very special for me. If you look at this picture, you'll see that Africa is poorly represented as far as uh, medical personnel, and that's where God sent us. So what are the problems we're addressing? Uh, not going when the call is clear. Uh, not staying when the attacks of Satan are severe. Not trusting God when we are completely at the end of ourselves. Not resolving conflicts quickly and forgiving definitively. Not recognizing that the attacks of Satan are real, persistent, and frequently like a lion. Not letting the aggravations of daily work in a new culture build up anger and bitterness. Not remembering that only prayer makes Satan run. And even angels can be thwarted. You remember when Daniel was praying and the angel Michael was sent to him. Satan prevented him for a long time until Gabriel came and uh, helped him get to accomplish his uh, task with Daniel. I grew up uh, in China, as I mentioned. My father was in charge of three, uh, five different hospitals. Uh, the total number of hospitals at that time when the communists took over in 1949 was 272. What solutions can we offer? I think the most important one is taking time to pray, reflect, and rest. Uh, we indicated that when we were the only surgeon, only doctor for a 115-bed hospital, that uh, we didn't feel that we could make it unless we had one month every five months. That was a new idea for the mission, and so we had to talk about it uh, for a while before it was accomplished. Uh, there is nothing to replace one hour of prayer a day, and if you're Daniel, of course, you remember that you pray three times a day. There's, there's nothing... Uh, that will help you more than taking that time. And if you want to read about praying Hyde from India, 
who spent hours and hours praying. He, uh, he prayed that he would have five people that would become Christians every day. And he, he worked at that and he prayed at that and God accomplished that. Uh, the words of Jesus, can't you watch with me for one hour, was especially meaningful to me. One twenty-fourth of a day is not too long to pray. Take time to wait on God because only Jesus Christ can defeat Satan. If you're fighting Satan and the work of Satan, you can't do it <clears throat> by yourself. <clears throat> Remember that the real secret of blessing is brokenness before God. And if you're going to be a medical missionary, you'll frequently find that you feel completely broken. Only you can do the assignment that God gives you, and he will help you complete the mission he has given you. If you think of Jonah, there was only one Jonah. God didn't say, well, Jonah's headed for Spain. I'll find another Jonah. He... He ended up in the whale, headed for his destination of Nineveh. And uh, we can save a lot of trouble if we uh, remember that our task uh, is specifically and specially designed for us. And that God even knew our name uh, before we were born. Uh, if, you're, if you have Chinese... Uh, uh, in your blood, uh, like I do, you remember that uh, your stated age is not your real age because you start living as soon as conce uh, conception. So you're looking at an 82 and a half year old and not an 81 year old. Uh, our family grew up uh, in Ethiopia at the location where we're building a uh, new 200-bed hospital. Our son uh, started uh, working uh, for different projects of the hospital when he was 10, fixing evangelist uh, gospel recorders. By 13, he had the assignment of maintenance for the hospital. And that was very nice because I didn't like to change light bulbs in the middle of the night. Uh, we didn't have electricity, so that wasn't a problem, but uh, if we'd had electricity. And uh, he's been a missionary now for 26 years in northeast Kenya uh, with, with his wife, who's a veterinary doctor. His field is in natural energy resource development for the third world. And our daughter that you see in the picture is a nurse practitioner at the hospital that I'll be talking about later on. She started rounds with me at seven because she felt called by God to be a missionary nurse. And at 10, she was circulating in the operating room, and at 13, she was first assisting when I needed it. My wife, who is in the back there, taught our children very well. Our son would sometimes do two years in one year, which made him very young when he went to college. What questions do I want to answer? Can God really provide, protect, direct, and do the impossible? And, of course, the answer is an absolute yes. Can God help me persevere when my friends all leave? What can I start doing now that will help me complete God's assignment? 
And lastly, what one thing do I want you to walk away with? And that would be the faithfulness of God, absolutely, completely, and absolutely. What mysteries do we hope to solve? The mystery of God's provision of funds for his work. And I'll be talking a little bit about that and stories that, that indicate that. Another, the mystery of God's provision of staff when you can't promise a good salary, you can't promise benefits, schools, operas, great call schedules, guaranteed weekends and nights off, and the list goes on. Um, I had the surprise of my life when I retired from the mission and at the, at the appropriate age of 65, which I think is ridiculous, uh, the, the thing that I've the uh, thing that I found was that God had organized my speaking at 165 medical schools in the United States uh, about missionary surgery in Africa. And that was the farthest away uh, dream that I would have ever had because I prayed when I went out to, the, to be a missionary and the mission told me that I had to spend a year telling people that they needed to support me and pray for me, I prayed very vigorously that if God wanted me in Africa, that he would bring it all in without me spending a single day running around the country. And two weeks before we left on embassy flight for Ethiopia from Taiwan, where I was serving as chief of surgery for a Navy hospital, all the money was in. The mystery of arranged contacts and continued miracles, miracle after miracle. We were here at this conference five, uh, five years ago. We kept thinking that we could turn it over to somebody else, but each time that person would drop out uh, and we would find ourselves here. Uh, we were at our booth, which is uh, St. Luke's Healthcare Foundation, Soda Christian Hospital, You'll find it on the second floor all the way back on the right side. And um, this, uh, this particular time, we saw somebody walk by just after a workshop, and I recognized the family name. And uh, I said to the, this uh, young sophomore medical student, did you have a grandfather who was a missionary surgeon from Norway to Ethiopia. She said, yes. And I said, you happen to be the answer to my prayers of the last four years. Since we run a surgical training program, it makes no sense to have a perfect operation, but imperfect anesthesia. So I had been praying vigorously for an anesthesiologist. And I told her, I had overheard her father say, I am so upset with my son. He has become an anesthesiologist, and the only thing he can do is put people to sleep. And he can't do big operations like I can do and rid the person of the cancer and help them to live happily ever after. She picks out her cell phone and calls her dad. Dad, you've got to go to Ethiopia. Well, it was the greatest blessing for us. A year later after that, he was there. He's been responsible for about a million dollars every year from Norway for the hospital, and that was certainly a big help. 
We now have a CT scan, and that is beyond my imagination. Number nine of Reverend Charles Stanley's 30 Life Principles, trusting God means looking beyond what we can see to what God sees. Frequently, when God tells us to do something, uh, we find ourselves quite uh, against the whole idea. Uh, I remember specifically getting a call to a certain location uh, overseas and saying to myself, I've got to think of ten good reasons why this is a bad idea. And so I, I got these ten ideas very quickly and very easily. I went to the administrator of the clinic where I worked. He said, the old clinic building has to sell. It had been on the market for three years and nobody had inquired. Uh, he said, two doctors have to join the clinic uh, before I can let you go because as a surgeon, you're the one who makes the money for the clinic. Uh, I thought, oh, that's very good because nobody has even inquired about working here. Then I looked at my bank account and for the first time I was happy that it was almost empty because then I didn't have to buy a ticket. And then we had two in college and university and I thought I calculated the cost. That was 32 and a half thousand. And for once I was quite happy about that because obviously God couldn't do anything like that and send me away and, and uh, impoverish our children. And then I knew the telephones in this particular country didn't work. And so I said, I want a personal call from this particular doctor. And, uh, and uh, if I have that call telling me how important this uh, trip is, then I'll think that it's, you know, possibly from you. Anyway, let me just say that the clinic building sold within two weeks. Four doctors joined the clinic instead of two. Our son called from university and said, Dad, guess what? They've given me a tuition and stipend for next year. Hey, Dad, why aren't you jumping up and down? <laughs> I got a telephone call from the doctor himself. He had an emergency with his wife and took it to the Mayo Clinic, and he was calling from downtown in the place where I was working. It went on and on. I won't bore you with the rest. We escaped four invading armies during our career. Lost everything five times without a single garage sale. <laughs> Maybe you'd like garage sales, but I don't. <clears throat> Narrowly escaped being bit by a rabid dog when the, rabbit, when the rabies vaccine was gone from our location. The dog died about 10 feet from my feet. I ran as fast as I could. I dropped my school books. I was uh, only seven years old, so I didn't run very, very fast, and the dog was catching up on me. Uh, I fell into a well, but I had learned to swim the week before, so I'm still here. I got diphtheria when there was an epidemic at the missionary school, um, and had to stay flat on my back and perfectly still for two months. I can still remember that very vividly. 
we were chased by a submarine, but fortunately they didn't sink the ship until we'd gotten off of it. We escaped the concentration camp by 24 hours. We experienced a full-scale mutiny and three very severe storms where the waves were 85 feet high. I had pan sinusitis for 23 years. I tried to convince God that somebody with that kind of a sickness really shouldn't be a missionary doctor overseas because if he'd had somebody, you know, really healthy, uh, just think of all the work that that person could have accomplished. I frequently would actually run the hospital from my bed and have uh, the nurse put in the spinal anesthetic and then go over when the patient was all draped and ready and then back to bed again. That's not fun. But one day I said, hey, I I haven't had this trouble for a while. And we found that it was almost six months. God had taken it away completely even though the difficulties had increased a great deal. I made a talk in Kenya at the CMDA, CM, uh, CME uh, program. The speaker before me was a laryngologist, and he said, you need an operation on your larynx. I said, well, I'm, I'm busy. I can't have one right away. He said, well, when you get back to the United States, you're welcome to stay in our home, and we'll take care of you. Well, on the fifth operation, I woke up, and I saw five um, surgeons looking down on me, uh, all with masks on. I knew that that wasn't a terribly good sign, uh, but God brought me through that. One time when we were to leave for Africa, my wife was unable to even walk up a half a flight of stairs, and we were to leave in just a few days. So we prayed and prayed, and God miraculously, the next day she could even run up the steps. The gentleman you see in this picture is a a young man that trained in our auxiliary medical training school of of 491. He was the very best student of all, and I sent him to medical school instead of the usual assignment. His life had been saved by my predecessor, and his mother saved as well. I went to the magistrate of this whole area of Ethiopia, and I said, would you be able to give us some some good land for a new hospital, we see 7% of the population in this area have a severe foot disease and they aren't allowed to go into the government hospitals or other hospitals because they think it's worse than leprosy. And he said, of course, I'm going to let you have the very best land I have because you delivered me many years ago and you saved my life. You told my mother to teach me the Bible every day because my life had been saved by God. Well, that was quite a story because I didn't recognize him. He wasn't in his birthday suit. (laughs) God gives us assignments like he gave to Jonah. Hope beyond our limitations. Hope to believe the impossible. Hope to envision new possibilities. Faith to trust God's power. Rest in God's goodness. Radical assignments which make us radically dependent. 
The outcome, of course, is God's. God's dreams are quite frightening. Our responsibility, of course, is to be available and to be obedient. We need to make time to hear, and we won't hear unless we take that special time. When we were to start this new hospital, we had over 1,200 churches praying for the hospital, and I'm sure that's the reason why God prospered it. The whole Christian life, of course, is a life of faith. We're saved by faith, we're kept by faith, we walk by faith, we endure by faith, we rejoice by faith, serve by faith, love by faith, sacrifice by faith, pray by faith, worship by faith, obey by faith, and continue by faith. I'm going to test you on that list in just a few minutes. Faith is risking what is for what is yet to be. It is holding on when you want to let go. How many times I've wanted to let go. Saying yes when you want to say no. Looking beyond what is and trusting for what will be. Faith believes what others do not believe, sees what others do not see, does what others do not do. Faith moves us to act. Say no to sin and yes to right, dares to dream beyond our means, is an outrageous trust in God. Sees what is really there even though others see nothing at all, Sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. Faith, mighty faith, the promise sees and looks to God alone, laughs at impossibilities and cries, it shall be done. You may recognize that as Hudson Taylor's statement. Last summer, we were invited to come to Switzerland to be with uh, our donors which had contributed a a third of the necessary funds for our hospital, which was, at that time, $10 million. That was $8.5 million more than I thought the hospital would cost. But we had to to make the hospital the way the government wanted to look. In any case, God did a wonderful thing. At 67... I got an emergency call from Ethiopia, and it came from my predecessor. He said, I'm doing a project here. I'm 89. I'm essentially bedridden, but I want to see this project done. Will you please come and help? Well, we'd just been in our retirement home for two weeks, and I didn't see that there was a lot of work I could do uh, at my retirement center, and, of course, I agreed quite readily. The ophthalmologist had told me that my eyesight wasn't good enough for surgery, so I arranged for a friend, surgeon friend from Australia to meet me in Frankfurt, and together we would go to Ethiopia. However, in the operating room, he always had an excuse to be in the other operating room. He would pretend like he was going to help me and do the operation, but he would disappeared just as I had my gloves and gown on. Well, I had that solved because I had a beautiful light on on my forehead 
that was brighter than any of the operating room lights I'd worked at before. I had these beautiful 3.5 special lenses. I could see better than I'd ever seen in my whole life. And so I was so happy that God gave me another chance, even though I was over the over the limit as far as uh, recognized age of the surgeons that were supposed to be able to work. Anyway, God laid it on our hearts to do to do a new hospital because many patients were not being taken care of properly, and we wanted to do a surgical training program for Christian African doctors, the PAX program. And so we went to Switzerland, realizing that we had to build a new hospital. The first person we came to was a Christian nurse, and she handed us a 1,000 Swiss francs. We knew that that was quite a sacrifice for her. She said God told her to give it for a new hospital. Well, that was actually, you know, before I knew it was supposed to be a new hospital. The next day, we were told about a Swiss hospital that was closing. And they wanted to get rid of all their equipment. It was only, it was less than five years old. And it was a government decision. So it had to be followed through. So we didn't have any money for a truck to come and pick up the things. But God told a trucker to come to us with a team of volunteers. And they filled two 40-foot containers and had it right next to a railroad uh, line. So... If you go to our hospital, you see it's kind of Swiss. Uh, I was asked to speak at a prayer meeting. Only four showed up. I said, oh, my goodness, I worked on this PowerPoint for quite a few days, and it was in the days before PowerPoint was very popular, and so I really had to work at it very hard. And I said, oh, four. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, they won't be able to give more than 50 Swiss francs. They prepare a white envelope in Switzerland. They give it to the speaker after he's been talking. And um, there was only 100,000. It was in the form of a check. And it had been written before they even heard me talk. So <laughs> that was really uh, in lifting, lifting and encouraging to me. Um, the next day, uh, a little bit later... I found an email that said, we want, I want to give 150000 to uh, the hospital, the, for the new hospital. I didn't recognize the name. I saw that it didn't come from certain countries that we we're particularly aware of. And um, she said, I'm going to give 50000 to start off with, and if that goes through, I'll give 100, 100 the next day. Well, in 48 hours, I had 150,000 for the hospital. When we went to thank that patient, um, somebody else said, "I, uh, I want a presentation too." I'll tell you tell about that a little bit later. The Lord opened the windows. Many times, I've said. Even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven, might this thing be? There are 16 miracles of Elijah and Elisha in 2 Kings, chapters 2 through 8. They're my favorite passages, and they may become yours when you get in difficult situations. 
First of all, impossible obstructions. The Jordan River uh, was struck by Elijah and opened right up, and also for Elisha going back. And for Elisha, the sky opened up and the chariot, chariot of fire and horses of fire took him right up to heaven. And the question was, where is the God of Elijah? And I've just told you about what happened for our new hospital. And this was the gentleman who got the, um, the presentation that he wanted. He, uh, he decided on taking care of the obstetrics department and the pediatric department, which at that time was 200,000. That is the way God has supplied all, uh, all uh, $10 million up to this point. We didn't have uh, the example of somebody who, who uh, uh, makes you uh, pay $100,000 for a plate of, of uh, steak or fish or something like that. Uh, it was all uh, the goodness of God and the care of God. Even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven, might this thing be? Impossible odds. Oh, what shall we do? Three armies without water for seven days and about ready to collapse. But for God, it was no, it was a simple thing to bring water even without rain. The need for, uh, $125,000 for two operating rooms and a 22 bed ward came to us when we were in Switzerland living in the chalet of a lady who said she wanted to give money for the hospital. And when we presented this to her, she just went right down to the bank, took the money out, and uh, sent it in for the hospital. And now we have that 22-bed ward, and uh, uh, funds still uh, work that for the operating rooms. Just this past month, uh, we had a requirement from the government to build two more buildings, one an isolation ward and an increased size of our laboratory. And God has already brought in 160000 and all we did was pray. So how can I trust God to do the impossible? We still need three and a half million. I was hoping that the lady who had promised this... Uh, would have sold her hotel because we went to Switzerland to a medical supply house and uh, there was a new manager. And the manager, instead of saying the usual thing, uh, can't you see how much work I've got? Uh, I can give you 10 minutes, but then I, I need you to leave. Instead of that, he asked us questions for two full hours. That has never happened to me anywhere in the world. Um, and we had to tell him at the end, I'm sorry, but we have another appointment. We'll come back after that appointment and uh, take up from then. Five minutes after we left, a lady came to his office and said, God has told me that I'm to do a medical and evangelistic project in Ethiopia. Can you tell me anything about it? He'd listened to me for two hours. <laughs> so he had plenty of information. And that Saturday afternoon, 
we are invited to that person's house, and that's when she promised to uh, give us the remaining three and a half million. Even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven, might this thing be? Impossible poverty. Remember when Elisha needed to be supported? Uh, Elisha wasn't sent to a rich person's house, but a poor widow who had nothing except a flask of olive oil. God answers our prayer for the anesthesiologist that I told you about. It was a wonderful thing. Even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven, might this thing be? Impossible visibility. Alas, my Lord, what shall we do now? The Lord opened the eyes of the servant of Elisha, and he saw the hillside filled with horses and chariots of fire. During a very troubled time in the country where we worked, we set aside a whole day to pray for protection. While we were praying, we had one person looking, peeking out one of the windows on the second floor uh, toward where we thought the trouble might come from. Mid-afternoon, this person came down and told us there were over 5,000 people that were approaching the hospital and the compound, and suddenly everybody went in different directions, and there was not a single person left. And God answered our prayers miraculously. In another location in Africa... We had a gentleman come into our office. This was when we were seeing 750 patients a day in the clinic after doing surgery most of the morning and some of the afternoon. The man said, I have taken a five-hour international flight and a 12-hour on the bus to get here, and what I need is a refill on my blood pressure medicine. Well, that is the most... <laughs> Unusual request I've ever gotten as a surgeon. Uh, and I told him, I know where your medicine is. It is actually in the capital city in a container that we got where we ordered, we were trying to save money and we ordered a whole year's medicine. And it's been sitting there for a year because the custom officer is not terribly friendly with us. He said, no problem. He disappeared, and he went to the single uh, small telephone booth and called his friend, who was an ambassador uh, in Egypt, who was a, the, a good friend of the president of the country. And the next day, the custom officer was looking for a job someplace else, and we had the blood pressure medicine for this gentleman, who also went home with a... Jesus film in the language of his friends. This is what our hospital compound looks like now. And you can see the different stars that are there, which are construction projects that are still uh, needing to be done and are still in process. And we started with absolutely nothing. Um, and all of that is, is, uh, came in really by prayer. Even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven, might this thing be? Impossible timing, 2 Kings 8, 3 through 6. At that very moment, as Gehazi 
was telling the stories of Elisha, the Shunammite lady, and the resurrected son walked in. We frequently see the timing of God is so absolutely perfect, it is beyond our imagination. And of course, it is absolutely no difficulty for God. Uh, God directed me at a funeral to an orthopedic conference in Washington State where an orthopedic surgeon came and talked to me afterwards and said he felt God was calling him to Ethiopia. He had been, he's now been our field director for over nine years. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think or imagine. If you look at the troubles of St. Paul, they look like this. In 2 Corinthians 6, troubles, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, angry mobs, work to exhaustion, sleepless nights, must be talking about a surgeon, uh, without food, despised and slandered and ignored, and close to death. And then, in 2 Corinthians 11, another wonderful list. <clears throat> Served more, worked harder, more in prison, whipped without number, faced death again and again, 39 lashes, five times, beaten with rods. That makes me feel sore all over. Um, stoned one time and left for death, shipwrecked three times, adrift at sea for a day and a night, dangerous trips, cold and hungry. And the most frequent um, question I would get uh, talking at the various medical schools around the United States was, is the place where you're going safe? <laughs> I didn't know whether to tell them this story or not. The question God asks are, is anything too hard for the Lord? Has he ever left a promise unfulfilled? Many of you, uh, when you head for overseas, your friends will say, well, just think what kind of a car you're going to drive when you come back. You won't have any money, and I'll have to push. You'll, you'll be calling me to, to pick you up because your car broke down, and your kids are having to push the car through the, through the red light and so forth. And so having grown up as a missionary kid, I knew all about that because a donor had sent us uh, a car which was to be used as an ambulance in China, except it was the very first vehicle in the whole province. And they didn't have the white lines or the yellow lines down. They'd, they'd left out, you know, the red lights and the green lights and so forth. And about the very first time I can remember going in the car, uh, somebody stepped out in front of the strange-looking thing, and we had to take the person back to the hospital for an operation. So, um, anyway, I, I decided I would pray that for our sabbatical, we'd have a car that looked somewhat decent. So, we got a letter two weeks later, and the fellow said, I have these two cars. One is canary yellow, one is black. Which one do you want? I said, black. And guess what? They were both Mercedes. The canary yellow was brand new. The one that was black just had a new engine put in it. But imagine going from place to place, church to church, telling them how poor we were, how much money we needed 
The only thing we didn't have was an embassy flag on it. <laughs> Is the Lord's hand shortened that it cannot save? I had a little uh, boy who had been beaten very badly. Two weeks after uh, he came to the hospital, he awakened, but he was completely blind. We had taken lots of x-rays, but there was no indication as to why he was blind. And I made rounds on him two weeks later as he was continuing to get better. He said, last night, an angel came and spoke to me and said, you are to ask the doctor to pray that you will see your you will be able to see again perfectly and that you will become a Christian. Well, I hesitated a little bit because I thought he was hopelessly blind and I would, everybody in the ward, uh, you know, was hearing this little boy describing the angel with feathers and so forth and it sounded a little bit out of the ordinary. But we prayed with him. It was Sunday. Later on the afternoon, I came back to make rounds. He was seeing perfectly, and I prayed with him to receive Christ. Can God spread a table in the desert? I'd only been working at our hospital as the only doctor for seven months, every day, every night, every weekend, and I was tired because I'd been advertised an American surgeon who could take care of every single problem. And if you know surgeons, they like to have the easy cases first so that they get a good reputation. They don't like all the difficult ones to come right at the very beginning. Anyway, uh, I said to God in my devotions, I can't, I can't go on anymore. I know you can't give me a surgeon today, but I need a surgeon today. I don't want a, just a plain ordinary surgeon. I want, you know, one that's really, really good. Well, I want to be able to actually leave the hospital and actually rest. So I'm doing this operation, a very large goiter with extension into the right chest. I'm trying to decide whether to split the sternum. Uh, and just then it releases and there's a knock on the door. It's my wife. She never comes to visit me while I'm operating. She doesn't like to see blood. So uh, she says, I have a surgeon. He's a cardiovascular surgeon, and he is from Brooklyn. He wants to stay for a month. I said, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, there's much more to the story, and you can ask me afterwards. Uh, two staff children graduated, have graduated from medical school. The one that you see on the left um, was the top of her class. She was the daughter of our hospital administrator who's shown in this picture. His wife is in charge of World Vision. Um, he has a helper uh, just recently, a very godly man who's in charge of human resources. Uh, that means uh, able to fight labor unions. <laughs> in any case, it's a very dignified name for uh, a very, very difficult job. We've had increased numbers of patients, uh, which means increased opportunities to tell people about Jesus. This is, the, this is our, our five-year plan, and of course, it's, the hospital's been going for 10 years, so it's probably time to get another 
five or ten year plan going. Anyway, God has answered many of our prayers. We still have to build the clinic. To recognize that this is what has happened from just farm fields where 18 squatters on government land uh, were repositioned to other properties is absolutely amazing because it's a little bit like a Garden of Eden with trees, flowers. This is the home that, uh, that now is occupied by other uh, medical personnel. Unfortunately, of these 12, you can see there are five stars of people that have not been able to stay. We wish they had been able to stay, but there were the attacks of Satan. When we were in uh, a certain country, there were three of our, our top people were threatened with death and had to leave the country. There was a mysterious illness of another that I was training in surgery. And that person had to leave for four and a half months. A diagnosis in the home country was never uh, never helpful. Another uh, physician was slandered to the point of having to change ministry. There was severe hepatitis of another, and that person had to leave. Chronic fatigue syndrome made this other person only able to work for two or three hours and no night call. I've never uh, been anxious enough to get chronic fatigue syndrome to get out of night call because that's got to be one of the worst conditions I can think of. We had three hospital strikes and the workers completely took charge of the hospital and told us when we could operate or when we could not operate. Five international visits uh, by our mission to close the hospital. They made one big mistake. They invited me to the meeting where they were going to vote. And after they had voted to close the hospital, I said, would you allow me to ask one question? They said, sure. I said, how many times do you think uh, God sends a legacy of $100,000 to a hospital that he's trying to close? They said, well, that doesn't sound terribly reasonable. We'll give you six more months. It's now 18 years since that happened, and the hospital is very, very prosperous, and many, many people have become Christians. Four hospital CEOs and four CMOs in one year. Severe political unrest. 30 nurses left in two years. A quarter million dollars in debt in our hospital in Ethiopia. Uh, when I wanted to send two 40-foot containers, the organization said, um, We've just had five containers returned from Ethiopia because the charges were so high they couldn't pay them. We went to 120 offices to get architectural drawings by the Ministry of Health approved. It took a year and a half and lots of money to buy little stamps to put on papers. Strong opposition and jealousy, accusations of a million stolen from me by my partner when I only had less than 10,000 in the, in the bank account. Death threats were regular. Attempted confiscations were two. Uh, when we imported oxygen tanks, they were reported as, um, as bombs and were confiscated for a year and a half. Inspections were refused, but we only lost one of 25 containers. We lost uh, five surgeons 
and that was because of the attacks of Satan. I'm going to uh, go through this rather quickly now because um, I can see that I need to let you uh, ask some questions. And this is our present personnel. You can see by the pictures. Uh, our pediatrician only has six children, so he gets good practice on his own before he takes care of yours. Uh, Andrew and Sakchu, I work with for three years in West Africa, and now he's taking over the surgical training program at our hospital. Um, when I heard that our surgeons were leaving, um, I talked to our daughter. She says, oh, you'd be interested to know that Andrew Chu is here from Australia, and he's going to sign up. Should arrive in January. Then we have family practice doctors coming, and they're bringing husbands who have very uh, special talents, like hospital architecture for the third world, like engineering and IT, uh, like farming, because we're a farming community, uh, orthopedic surgeon. We're, we're about to start orthopedic surgical residency training, hospital administration. And uh, this is our daughter, busy at work. Uh, the PACS program now has 11 locations in Africa and 66 surgical residents. Uh, this is the t top medical student uh, who works at our hospital. This is eight of our 11 surgical residents. Uh, and we only give the small cases to our surgical residents. This was a 55-pound cirrhosis adenoma. For a surgeon uh, to only let you see one surgical case is a miracle in itself. <laughs> Uh, one of our surgical residents is now back uh, with us, uh, helping to train other surgical residents. So as you see these last pictures uh, of our spiritual ministry, see our CAT scan, our laboratory, emergency department, obstetrics, surgery. We already need four new operating rooms because the surgical work is so uh, intense and so busy. Uh, we have small group discipleships. One of these teams went to the southern part of this uh, country and they w were told, um, if your God can make it rain, uh, we'll believe. Uh, if he doesn't, we're going to kill you. Well, uh, a difficult situation. However, God brought so much rain the next day that the car that they went in was completely uh, unable to be moved because it was uh, covered uh, pretty much in its lower extent by the, the mud and the water. It had to be left. And so um, this is our very dignified staff. And so if you want to see them, well, drop by our booth. Um, we have helicopter ministry uh, once a month to a tribal groups in the far south of the country. And uh, I thank you. And now if you have any questions, uh, I'll be happy to try and answer them and tell you more stories if you want them.